You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRight Sports and FanSided. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. And you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. Today is an especially good day to remind you that the Acme Packing Company has all of my Packers writing, AcmePackingCompany.com, FanRag Sports. And fansided.com have my NFL writing. Please go and check that out there. I am producing just a, a, a crap load of content through the NFL draft, through the offseason, really at all times. I am always writing something. And whether or not you want to read it all is up to you, certainly. But just see it. Give yourself the option. I would just appreciate just Just notice that it exists and then make a choice for yourself. Do I want to engage with this content? I hope the choice is yes. I hope, but if it's not, that's fine. That's your choice. You're an American. This is a, this is a free country. Do what makes you feel happy. Unless it in- infringes on other people's happiness. And you know what? Would not make me happy if you didn't engage with my content. That's not true. There's, there's plenty of other things that you could do to make me unhappy. Like, like be annoying on Twitter. Don't, don't do that. Packers Twitter has, it, I said this earlier in the week, it's, it's, it's a dark place right now. And I don't understand why. But that's a, that's a horse of a different color. That's a conversation for a different day. Before we get to Tex Western, my boss at SB Nation and Acme Packing Company, the man who approves my stories and edits them and makes sure that they look pretty for you, um, he is at the Combine. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what Mike McCarthy said in his press conference, we're going to talk a little bit about what Brian Gutekunst said in his press conference, and we're going to talk about some of the hot names at the Combine. There is a lot going on, and, and I wrote about this for FanRag. There is a lot going on in the NFL during the Combine that has nothing to do with the players on the field, has nothing to do with draft picks in any way, because what happens in Indianapolis is the powers that be at every franchise just come together and they talk. And they talk to agents, and they talk to each other, and there is tampering. Teams talking to agents about players that they're not supposed to be because one agent might not just represent the free agent. He might represent three or four other guys on the team. And so a a front office person can reasonably go to that agent without suspicion and talk to him. And over the course of the conversation, they may say, oh, well, so how's so-and-so doing? Oh, how's the how is the uh, the contract negotiation going with Player X? And that's not legal. You can't you can't talk about numbers before the new league year starts. That's tampering. You can't. So this is this is what happens. And so there's a lot of things that are going on. Deals that can be brokered that could have trickle down effects. And the Kirk Cousins is a big one. I mentioned this on Twitter yesterday. There's the Vikings are going to have to think long and hard about the kind of commitment they want to make to someone like Kirk Cousins because if they're going to pay him the kind of money that's being reported, the highest 
contract in league history type money, the 30 plus million dollar a year type money. They are going to have to do that for more than just this year. They're going to have to do it next year. They're probably going to have to bump that number next year. They have about $48 million in cap space to use this year. But next year, they have key free agents up. Stephon Diggs, Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, Daniel Hunter, and Trey Waynes. His number is going to go up because he's got the fifth-year option. So how are they going to manage all of these things? Now, they have been very good at managing the salary cap over the last 10 years with Rick Spielman, but this is the problem with building a team around all of these ancillary pieces, is your team is your everything. When you're the Packers, Aaron Rodgers is your everything, and you can compete every year regardless of who's under contract and who's not. That's how the Packers can let someone like Casey Hayward walk out the door, and as hurtful as that is for Packers fans in retrospect, the Packers went to the NFC Championship game two years ago without Casey Hayward because they have Aaron Rodgers. For the Vikings to think, and and they'll rightly think that Kirk Cousins is an upgrade for them over Case Keenum, but the problem is, if they're going to pay Kirk Cousins a non-top 10 quarterback, not never mind top 5, a non-top 10 quarterback, top 1 quarterback money, how does that trickle down to the rest of their team? Does it mean they can't sign Stefan Diggs? Does it mean they can't sign Eric Kendricks? And what does that mean for their team moving forward? And if you're going to put your eggs in that basket, is the Kirk Cousins basket big enough and versatile enough to carry your team to a Super Bowl? I would insist that maybe in 2018, maybe, although I don't know that that Cousins makes the Vikings significantly better than the play that they got from Case Keenum. It's not as though Kirk Cousins is some proven playoff commodity. Do we know Kirk Cousins is going to go into the playoffs and suddenly turn into the second coming of Joe Montana? I don't think anyone knows that. I don't think anyone believes that. He sure didn't against Green Bay. So that's why this is a pretty big gamble. Mike Zimmer at the Combine sure didn't sound like a guy who wants to be taking gambles. He said outright, if we get this quarterback thing wrong, I'm going to get fired. That doesn't sound like a guy that wants to take a risk. That sounds like a guy that that wants to figure out a way to keep someone like Case Keenum. Because the quarterback market has shrunk. With, With Blake Bortles getting extended in Jacksonville, the Alex Smith trade in Washington, there's only a couple teams. Buffalo might need a quarterback if they let Tyrod Taylor go. Denver, New York. The list beyond that, unless some crazy things happen, isn't very big. So... How many starting opportunities are there going to be for two Vikings quarterbacks and potentially three? Now, Sam Bradford's career might be over because of the knee injuries and those issues. But this is now an interesting question. Do the Vikings have to pay someone like Case Keenum $20, $25 million to stay there? Well, not if no one else is willing to pay him that. And if he's not going to get a starting job elsewhere, then maybe they only have to pay him twelve. dollars or 15. And if he's half price Kirk Cousins, it's a no-brainer. Before we move on, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value. And it gets you access to player grades, all sorts of college data. They've got the NFL draft player write-ups, 
get into all of that data that's normally behind the paywall by winning this contest. And you can't win if you don't enter. So put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes. It is that simple. Before we get to text, I want to just point out that I mentioned I was going to be discussing some of the the numbers as they come in at the combine. And, and we got bench press yesterday and we got measurements yesterday for a lot of the players. And as I told you when we when we did the threshold show, there are just going to be players who aren't going to be on Green Bay's board for reasons that are as simple as they're not tall enough or they're not fast enough or they're not quick enough. And someone like Isaiah Wynn, who comes in, not to, he's not only is he not 6'3", he's 6'2 and change. Well, the Packers have a very clear threshold. If you are not 6'3 and a half or taller, you will not play offensive line for this team unless you're a fifth-round center in Corey Lindsley. He is the lone exception in terms of the draft picks. They have some other guys, Evan Dietrich-Smith, Lane Taylor. Those guys were not draft picks, so they don't fit in the same mold. But if you're going to use a pick, and Isaiah Wynn is a first-round pick, so regardless of whether or not they t- they pick at 14 or let's say they do that deal I talked about. By the way, Bills have picks 21 and 22, not 20 and 21, as I said earlier this week. I apologize for that. But to, to use a first-round pick on an outlier would be highly atypical for this team. It goes against everything we know about their history. And Brian Gutekinds said outright at his press conference this week, we are going to stick to these thresholds. They work. And they have worked for a long time. So Isaiah Wynn, probably out. Will Hernandez, another guy, came in 6'2 and change. So I had him in the mock draft for fan-sided the other day. It's just not going to happen. Now, unless he does something crazy, like if he falls to the third round, if he's there you know, on day three somehow, then maybe they could consider doing something like that. But given what we know about these thresholds and the fact that if you take Brian Gutekunst at his word that they're going to continue to use those thresholds, which, you know, he can say and not follow through on, then you have to believe that those two guys at key positions could be off their board. Now, the interesting thing that happened is they'd love to to take left tackles and turn them into guards. And Connor Williams, the tackle from Texas, 33-inch arms, so that's short, and... A lot of teams thought he was going to be a guard anyway. Could he be someone that the Packers take a look at at 14 or if they trade down? And could they say, hey, we're going to put you at right tackle first and let you fail if you if, if you do indeed fail and then we'll try you at guard? Or will they just say, hey, Connor Williams, we love that you played left tackle. We think you're really good. Uh, we think you're talented as a pass blocker, but your arms just aren't long enough. You don't quite have the lateral quickness, you'd be a great guard, and now all of a sudden he's their starting guard, and they've got an offensive line for the future. Maybe that is the direction that they could go. I think that opens up that possibility, particularly in light of the Isaiah Wynn and Will Hernandez issues with height. Does that mean that that that's the way they're going to go? No. You're going to hear a lot about Austin Corbett from me because I'm, number one, because I'm writing about him, but number two, because he is the left tackle who could be a guard, but could be picked on day two or maybe even day three. And so he fits the mold a little bit more of someone they would take maybe in the third round, maybe in the fourth round of someone who played left tackle at college in Nevada. 
and is going to come into the NFL and be a guard. We're going to have a lot more conversations about the draft and about prospects and about the combine in the coming days. And we're going to have another one right now. Tex Western joins the program. He's the managing editor of Acme Packing Company. You can follow them on Twitter at Acme Packing Co. Co. You can follow Tex on Twitter at Tex Western. Tex, thanks for joining Lockdown Packers. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's the fun start to the week here in Indy. You are you are my first boots on the ground reporter interview that we've done for the show. So I am happy to have you. Very happy. Sweet. Well, I'm honored to to be that for you. So we heard uh, from Mike McCarthy and Brian Gutekunst at uh, the, the Combine, which you are at, earlier this week. And this was always the, the time when we would hear the most from Ted Thompson. We really didn't hear from him, you know, any other time except for that sit-down with Bob McGinn. When you were, just before you heard Brian talk, did you have an expectation of what we were going to hear or were you looking for something in particular trying to get some clues as to what we might find in the off season moving forward? Yeah, I think that's, that's exactly what everybody was looking for is right. Is, is trying to understand what his approach to building the team is, what his approach to free agency is going to be. Um, and just generally what his attitude towards the media would be. Um, that was always one of the, the highlights or lowlights of the combine, depending on how you look at it. It was, um, was how Ted Thompson, you know, always reacted to the media with his biting sarcasm and everything. Mm-hmm. So certainly he, uh, yeah, certainly, certainly Brian is um, much more comfortable in front of the microphone. Um, that much was very clear, and and it's clear that he has some different um, different plans, at least as far as uh, what how he wants to go about building this roster for 2018. Say more about that because I think that that's something that that a lot of Packer fans were worried about when they hired an in-house candidate, that this would just be, and, you know, Ted Thompson moves to the background, supposedly, the concern from some Packer fans was this was just going to be more of the same, and it seems like uh, Gutekunst has gone out of his way to say this is not going to be more of the same. Yeah, exactly. He's been been very clear on the fact that he wants to be aggressive in free agency. Um, one of, I think, the most telling comments that he made was he wants the Packers to at least be in the conversation for every free agent decision that's being made. So obviously they're not going to sign everybody, but if you can at least make sure that, that all the agents know that, that you're willing to put yourself out there as far as an organization goes and, um, and at least consider um, any you know outside free agents, that's just going to help you because then immediately they're, you're not getting crossed off the list. Um, you're not building that, that you're kind of starting fresh with a new relationship with, uh, with players, agents and things. And I think that's going to, uh, that's definitely going to pay dividends moving forward. And it's worth wondering too, right? And, and I'm, I'm not sure you would ever get an honest answer from a front office person, but you might from an agent who might have just said, well, Green Bay is not going to be interested. I'm not even going to call them. Or Ted Thompson right. wouldn't even have picked up the phone to call them for, for Gutekunst to come out and publicly say, look, we're open for business. If you want a contract and you want to play for a contender, our phone lines are open. Give us a call. That's a, that's a pretty stark departure from what we've seen in Green Bay over the last 10 plus years. Exactly. And it, it certainly seemed like he was making that statement, not just to the media, but so that the agents would hear that from him. That that yes, um, you know, give me a call. Let's 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 talk some business. It seemed like if you were playing a drinking game over the course of the off season with the word aggressive 
and the Packers coaches and front <laughs> office that you'd be in the hospital right now? Because that was, a, that was a word that came up constantly with Mike Patton. It was a word that came up with Brian Gutekunst. And it was a word that Mike McCarthy used a bunch, not just talking about you know, the, the team itself and, and their mentality moving forward, but the team's approach to building this team moving forward. Yeah, it's clear that uh, McCarthy is kind of re-energized by um, the, the, the possibility of bringing in some veteran free agents. Um, that, that, was, that much he made very clear during his presser yesterday. Um, so it's, it's going to be really interesting, I think, to see how much impact and influence he and his coaching staff have as far as that piece uh, goes along um, in terms of, you know, how much the, the front office leans on, on McCarthy and his coaches um, in terms of you know, maybe recommendations of, of the style of players that they would like or, or what they feel like the roster is missing. Um, you, you, you certainly didn't really get that feeling all that much from Ted. He was going to do what he was going to do. And, and, and you were either, you know, you were along for the ride and you just had to get on board. So it, it certainly, I think, kind of the new power structure with, with both McCarthy and Gutekunst reporting to, to Mark Murphy. Um, I think that kind of is playing into this a little bit, but, but yeah, I think you'll see McCarthy's um, imprints on, on some of the moves that are made this offseason. One of the underrated storylines, I think, that came out of what McCarthy said was that the coaches are going to take a more active approach in free agency. And that's one thing that, though I hadn't thought about it, once I sat down to consider it, you know, coaches oftentimes can can if they get overly involved in the personnel process in the draft, they'll take guys, you know, they're the ones that advocate for a Tim Tebow or, you know, some guys who lack <laughs> athletic traits because they like their their attitude or their tenacity or whatever it is. And that's how you can make some bad decisions projecting from college to the pros. But it seems to me once a guy's like an assistant coach, if you're if you're a cornerbacks coach or you're a defensive coordinator, you're scouting other NFL players in a way every week. And so to mm-hmm. say if if those coaches are now going to have the be empowered to go to Mark Murphy or Brian Gutekunst or whoever it is and say, hey, I think this guy could really help us. We should at least see what it would cost to get him here. That seems like that could be a really helpful way to decide who could be worth bringing in in free agency. Yeah, I definitely agree. And and I think the the fact that you had so many changes on the coaching staff this year, you've got guys coming in from different teams, that may play into it as well, is, is you may have some of these coaches who have a prior relationship with somebody. Mm-hmm. Think about like Dante Moncrief with the Colts and, and Jim Hostler and Joe Philbin coming over from Indianapolis. That's, I mean, that, that's one example, but you could imagine a number of different scenarios where um, one of these new coaches already has a relationship with, with a player who's hitting the free agent market and, um, and is willing to go to bat for him. Mike Patton with Muhammad Wilkerson, Jack Muhort at right. the Colts could also be in there. So that is, that is something that we just haven't seen in Green Bay because there's been so much um, just promoting from within in terms of, you know, when, when Joe Philbin leaves, you promote the next guy. When that guy leaves, you promote the next guy. And there isn't this um, full league knowledge that that these coaches bring in. So it is going to be interesting to see how that part of it plays out. Now, we can't we can't not talk about the actual combine, the players that are there. Who are some of the guys that you are most excited to see test, to talk to, whatever it is? Yeah, there's there's a number. Today we've got the offensive line and the running backs coming up. So there's um, a handful of tackle-to-guard prospects who, who are kind of on my radar. Um, Austin Corbett from Nevada is a guy that um, 
I think really is, is has got an interesting story and, and he'll pop a little bit. Quentin, um, Quentin Nelson from Notre Dame is obviously, you know, one of the top, top offensive linemen. And I'm really just curious to see if, um, if there's a guard drafted ahead of a tackle in this year's draft, mm-hmm. so if the if the first first lineman taken ends up being an interior lineman, I can't remember the last time that's happened. Um, one other guy, Brandon Parker, he's a, a big tackle for North Carolina A and T. So yeah. he blocked for Terry Conan last year. Um, he's a really interesting guy too. Four years starting left tackle. He's an electrical engineering major. Um, I read that he's he's only been he's only been flagged four times for penalties in four years as a starter. So wow. that'll be uh, I want to. Get a, get a chance to talk to him, and then as we go along uh, the rest of this way, I mean, the tight end class is going to be really interesting with the Packers' needs there. Um, Mike Gesicki was was measured up today, and, I mean, he's just physically uh, absurd. His, his hand size, yeah. his wingspan and everything. Um, certainly speaks back to his, uh, his background as a volleyball player. So the tight ends will be interesting, and, and obviously the, the edge rushers and cornerbacks as, uh, as we go along. Um, that's it's going to be a matter of just trying to talk to as many of those guys as possible um, to see if we can you know get any sort of feel for who might be a good fit in Green Bay. I know you haven't been there that long yet, but a lot of what happens at the combine is is more than just what happens with the testing of the players. There's a lot of discussions, things that happen behind closed doors. There's usually you know buzz talking to other you know media people, other teams, other scouts, whatever it is. Is there is there something? You know, like I said, you haven't been there that long, but is there is there stuff you've been hearing that there's some buzz at the combine about about a player or a team or, or whatever it is? Well, one of the biggest storylines I think coming out of yesterday at the combine was about John Gruden and the Raiders, mm-hmm. and how he was talking about in his press conference of of kind of how he wants to see football go back to the way it was in 1998, and and how he's not really a believer in all this this GPS data and everything that's coming out. Um, Brett Favre, come on back, having, having more access to right. I mean, <laughs> it's it's it seems fascinating to me that that any team would um, would willingly kind of go back, you know, 20 years in terms of um, just their approach to the game when um, so much of, of what most teams and, and Mike McCarthy talked about is, is always staying one step ahead and getting more information and, and staying a step ahead of your uh, your opponents. So it, it just it just struck me as a very odd approach and one that really left a lot of people scratching their heads around here. Isn't it funny, too, that the, um, the the Oakland football team and the Oakland basketball team could not be more diametrically opposed when it comes to those <laughs> things? Like the Warriors are a team that wants to play like it's 2028 and the Raiders want to play like it's 1998. So it, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny to see the disparity there. Uh, if you're going to pick one guy that is going to, you know, sort of be on the Packers radar at some, in some way, who could really excel this week with the testing or the interviews or whatever it is. Do you have a name in mind? Um, there's a couple that, that come to mind right off the bat. Um, I know you're a big fan of him, but Derwin James from Florida State, mm. I'm really curious to see see what he does um, on the field. I, I think there's there's just tremendous ability there, and I think the athleticism that, that shows up on the tape will, will definitely show itself on the field when – uh, when he works out on Monday, um, I'm I'm really curious to see how some of the edge rushers do. Guys like Harold Landry, guys like Marcus Davenport. Um, it's it's going to be you know, and those two guys. I mean, they're they're kind of on on opposite ends of the spectrum to to some extent. You know, Landry's kind of the smaller guy. 
Um, yeah, obviously, Davenport's a, a big uh, six, what, six, five, six, six dude. And so um, just to see where, you know, how their measurables kind of compare, um, you know, both being kind of in that conversation in the middle of the first round will be really interesting, too. And and we probably know less, although Brian Gutekunst said that they were going to keep some of those thresholds. We probably know less about the kinds of, of defensive players that Green Bay will want to draft because Mike Pettin's scheme is going to be importantly different from Dom Capers. And so with, yep. we, we might not know, you know, you think, yeah, I hear a lot of Packer fans talk about, oh, they need an, uh, an outside linebacker. Well, if they play a lot of that 4-3 under, it's a different kind of position. It's a different kind of player. If, they're, if they want someone who's going to be that, that Sam backer on the outside, that's a different kind of player. So I'm going to be very interested to see, and it, it will complicate things for you and I, who have to cover these things and follow <laughs> them, because we, we really don't know what their preferences are going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the 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 difference between the Sam and the rushbacker that that Petten talked about when when he did his first press conference when he got hired, um, yeah, that's a very different conversation than your your traditional three four pass rushing outside linebacker. Um, you know, the if they decide they need a Sam, maybe that's where a guy like Tremaine Edmonds can, could come into play from mm-hmm. Virginia Tech. Um, whereas again, you know, Landry, Davenport, some of those guys might be. You know, would probably be a better fit at that rush linebacker spot. It'll be fun. I mean, it's there's a lot, certainly a lot more uncertainty around this team this year than we've had in in a long time, and and certainly since since I've been covering this team, um, it makes for you know maybe a little bit of a maddening um, topic <laughs> to cover, but but it's it's fun at the same time. I told you that like four or five months ago. I said this is the most fun I've had <laughs> following this team and covering this team in a long time because there is yep. so much uncertainty. Tex, I appreciate yep. you joining the show. Let people know where they can find uh, our content and your content and everything that you do. Yeah, um, you can find me at Twitter, uh, at Tex Western. You can get us at Acme Packing Co. at Acme Packing Co. Um, at Acme Packing Company dot com. Um, you know, we'll be we'll be heading down in about a half an hour to get some uh, some quotes and comments from this uh, this day's group of prospects. So keep everything locked in there and uh, all the way through till Sunday. Locked in an Acme Packing Company and Locked on Packers. Great branding job by you, Tex. That's right. I want to thank Tex again for joining the program. A lot of great insight in there. Uh, Keep a lookout at Acme Packing Company for quotes, for reactions, for all sorts of content coming out of the combine from him and from us and the whole team there. We are going to keep you up to date as best we can on everything Packers draft related next week when we come back. Remember, Monday, Wednesday, Friday shows. That is our schedule in the offseason, unless I say otherwise. And we're going to have a lot more combine to talk about because over the weekend, we're actually going to get 40 times and testing. And we're going to get to talk about guys who really succeeded and inevitably guys who really failed. The scuttlebutt about who's doing well in the interviews, who the Packers are talking about, who they might be interested in. And I think we're going we're gonna to really put this to the test. Are the Packers really going to be aggressive? That word that Tex and I talked about, are they really going to do that? And what does that mean? Does it mean breaking tendencies? Does that mean, hey, if the receiver is the best player on the board at 14, do they do that? Do they trade up? Or do they act in a different way? I think it was it was important for Tex to point out the, the Packers are saying that they want to be in on every free agent. So that means no longer 
worrying, oh, they're going to do nothing. That doesn't mean they're going to sign anyone again. Doesn't mean they're going to sign Malcolm Butler or Tremaine Johnson. Just makes it a little bit more likely. And I think for us, for these purposes right now, that is enough. We'll be back on Monday for a lot more. Again, follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. And always, as Tech said, stay locked in, Dakme Packing Company, and stay locked on Packers.